This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. So the time is 11 minutes past the hour of 11 o'clock. We know for me that means synchronicity. That means I am all zen and everything is as it should be, balance. But um, things aren't the way they should be when it comes to reproductive health um, and the sexual health of young South Africans. The Gauteng Department of Health, um, almost in a public service announcement is what this conversation is about, is really urging the public to be cautious about engaging in risky sexual behaviour. They are reporting about a heightened risk and an increased rate of transmission of sexually transmitted infections STIs and even the contraction of HIV. And you can hear as I'm talking, I'm a bit staggered because as I'm speaking these words, I mean, I am actually aghast because I'm thinking, do we not have a history in this country of managing the HIV pandemic? Some of the worst statistics on infection and death in this country that led to legal Cases and litigation around the provision of antiretroviral drugs um, and became a blemish on the conscience of this country. Do we not come from that history? But apparently history has not taught us sufficiently as the public, even though uh, it has led to many, many breakthroughs medically in the country. What we do know is between the months of April 2023 and December 2023, so that's just last year, a substantial number of men, males, totaling over 167,000 in this province of South Africa, visited public health facilities throughout the province. Among them, 40%, so almost half of these men who visited public health facilities last year, Almost half of them received treatment for a male uterus syndrome, which is described as a newly acquired sexually transmitted infection. Um, And if you're saying, okay, break it down, yeah, they visited um, uh, public facilities in Alexandra and Santon, so sub-districts E and F, the inner city, Bromfontein-Hillbrow, um, many also were recorded in Mirafong in the West Rand, Katlachong, Ekurleni South, Foslora, Sidimeng, Bronkosprate in Swani. So almost half of the men who'd gone to visit public hospitals last year, almost half of them were receiving treatment for male uterus syndrome. And now the MEC for Health is really urging parents to have conversations with their children, caregivers, Not emotional conversations, just practical conversations where you even consider, please, vaccinating young girls against uh, contracting cervical cancer with the HPV vaccine given to them. Uh, If they can be vaccinated for HPV, it reduces the risk of contracting many other STIs that ultimately lead to cervical cancer cancer. And we're talking Gauteng province alone. We're not even giving you a nationwide picture. So let's find out about 
why in this era of information, medical advancements, affordability of medications, accessibility of medications, young people are still engaged in risky sexual behavior and the risks that's posed to their health. We're joined by Nicola Luchman, who's the programs manager for AIs in the Gauteng Department of Health. Good morning, Nicola. Good morning. And I don't know if I pronounced your last name correctly. Luchman, Luchman? It's Luchman. Luchman. Thank you for that, Nicola. Okay. We're also joined by Marusim Zondi, who's the Deputy Director for Youth and Integrated School Health Programs here in the Gauteng Department of Health. Good morning. Good morning. And Marusi, is that correct? Marusi. Marusi. Marusi and Lakshman. Okay. I hope I've said it correctly. Thank you so much for coming through. Um, Let's start with you, Marusi. And just get a picture of what's happening with young South Africans. We know that, you know, young people are at an exploratory age. We're not condoning it, but it's a reality. And nobody's going to stop people from exploring. But what is the right conversation to be having with young people? Oh, okay. Uh, thank you very much. As uh, introduced earlier, I'm the program manager for the Integrated School Health Program mm. and uh, the Youth Program. Yes, uh, young people are passing through a lot, and most of them we know they would like to experience, and it's important for them to be, you know, educated, to be given health information at an early age in order for them to make quality decisions in life that will affect their future. So it's important to educate them. Thank you. Okay, and so what do we mean by educating them? Because the one thing we have to accept, as uncomfortable as it is, is that young people will experiment with sex. They're going to do it, whether we give them permission, condone it, talk to them or not talk to them. And this is why we are seeing more and more infections, STIs, even HIV infections. Okay, I think Nicola can take that one. Okay, Nicola, over to you. Yes, okay, thank you so much. So with regards to STI and HIV, so as a country, as a province, as a whole, when it comes to the HIV virus itself, you know, I think we are doing um, doing our best we can in terms of reducing the new incidence. So if we look at our data from 2010, yeah. we had close to, I think, more than a 51% uh, reduction rate in the, in the new HIV infections That's over time. Good. And then this is mainly because of our interventions that we're having, that we're making our services, um, that is your HIV testing, your art for HIV positives, that those that are found, we've got pre-exposure prophylaxis, Mm. even post-exposure prophylaxis, you know, services are endless. So what we're saying is we're making these services more accessible to the community, to the youth. So it's not that, you know, they have to go to a clinic. We know what happens at the waiting time. But, you know, Mum Rose also has a lot of youth zones mm. where we have youth-friendly services happening where they can access these services. So what we're saying, you know, the best that the department now, what we need to do is really educate, intensify or mm. amplify our health educational messages. And uh, when it comes to STIs and even HIV as well, yeah. um, you know, the main contributory factor is our behavior. How do we change our behavior? How do we say, right, I need to have, um, you know, protective sex. Mm. I need to limit my, my sexual partners. I need mm. to reduce my, uh, my, my sexual behaviors. I need to test for HIV. Yeah. So, the, you know, I think as a department, we have a mammoth of a task. 
We have all the services available. It's just about educating our uh, the public, even our youth, and making them aware so that they can you know, increase the uptake yeah. of the services at facilities and at community level. Thank you for that. I mean, so so education, awareness, um, and access. But it's still not answering my question, Nicola, which is, you know, how do we make young people aware that without judgment, um, there are facilities available for them, there is help available for them? How do we give them the tools to make smarter choices? Because it's quite a worrying thing to be hearing that even though you are telling us that it's certainly with new HIV uh, infections, we're seeing a 50% reduction. But the fact that we'd even seen an uptick in the first place was very regressive for South Africa. Okay, yes, can I... okay, yes, yes Marosi, go ahead. Yes. Uh, I think with the department, we are promoting that our clinics or health facilities should be accessible to young people. Mm. We are promoting adolescent and youth-friendly services in our uh, facilities in order to improve the adolescent and young people's quality of life. And we are promoting that we need to be having uh, youth zones in our facilities. So youth zone is a space dedicated for young people in our facilities, and we're encouraging our health workers to have time with these young people Mm. in order, you know, to, to... to, to give them information or make them free to come to our facility mm. so that when they have a problem, whether a problem with uh, their reproductive health issues, mm. they should feel free to come to the facilities. And together with the other young people, we are promoting that let the young people be involved also in educating other other young people. Mm. Okay. Yes, that's, the, that's the idea of a youth zone okay. in facility. Okay, that's so there are youth zones in these public health care facilities where young people can speak with their peers or with nurses who are going to lend them an ear. Yes, we also have nurses trained on AYFS, which is Adolescent and Youth Friendly Services, and we call them the youth champions, so that when they go to a facility, there will be a young champion who is trained on how to deal with these young people. Okay, Nicola, let's talk about these new strains or certainly... This is what I'm reading uh, of STIs, such as the fact that last year alone of men who visited public health facilities here in Gauteng, 40% of them were receiving treatment for male uterus syndrome. What is that? And what are these new strains of STIs? Okay, so thanks. Um, so it's not um, new strains. In fact, it's, it's male uretritis syndrome, yeah. which is basically an infection by a bacteria either you're having a gonorrheal uh, infection or yeah. chlamydia infection. So uh, the, 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 with the department, what we're doing is we're actually monitoring the male urethritis syndrome in terms of the men that present with one of the uh, STI symptoms, for example, burning urine, a gentle ulcer, uh, you know. Uh, so once they present, we screen them. And then based on their symptoms, we will treat them. And that is what, what we are seeing, a high uptake at the facility where men are, are presenting with these symptoms. They are being treated at facility level. So uh, it's not a new strain. It's uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia has been a long-standing challenge. Mm. However, you know, we actually rang the alarm bells to say we've seen an in- in- increase in this. And before it gets worse, we really want to, you know, 
educate the public about mm. how to protect yourself, how to uh, identify your signs and symptoms early, and you need to seek immediate uh, treatment. It cannot be fixed at home. Okay, so what and you're saying is it's not necessarily a new STI, but for the first time, more and more men are actually coming to an official public health uh, facility to seek help. It means that previously they were sorting it out their own way. So um, the data is just saying because of our, our um, you know, access to services um, uh, are quite found everywhere, yeah. people are being able to access these services very easily. And therefore, we're seeing that uptake, high uptake in men. And with our educational campaign, they're finding out that, yes, I have the sign, I have the symptoms, yes, mm-hmm. I need to go to a facility. And we are finding the men actually attending the facility. But at the same time, you know, it's not every man that will come to the facility. In fact, you know, our data, maybe in fact, high. You know, not every man wants to visit a facility uh, because of the poor health seeking behavior mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, what we're saying is uh, for those men that really took, uh, you know, heed to their health care needs, yeah. attended, and that's what we found. Okay. So, we make sure that they actually want to come through, come through for VMC services as well, uh, you know, to and take care of their health and get the required treatment as okay. needed. I want to stay with you, Nicola. So, we're talking about young men or men. Let's talk about women. And uh, this call that parents and caregivers must really consider vaccinating young girls with the HPV vaccine because not only will it act as a barrier against STIs but it might even prevent cervical cancer. Could you explain what you what is meant by that? Okay, so my rose will handle that. Hi, Bo. Okay, my rose, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Thank you very much. Uh, With cervical cancer, Mm. it has been found that uh, cervical cancer is the second most common leading cause of cervical cancer mm. or cervical deaths amongst women in South Africa right. and really among the adolescents and women that are aged from 15 years and above. So what the Department of Health is doing now, we, are, we have started a campaign and this campaign, we are vaccinating learners yeah. in schools, which is the, the grade five girls in schools and these girls who are those who are aged from 9 years and 15 years who are in public primary schools and special schools. Mm. We are vaccinating them at that early age because uh, the, the HPV vaccination works better before they are actually sexually active. So that's why we have started this campaign as the Houting uh, Department of right. Health. And uh, previously we were giving two doses but from 2024, we are now giving one dose and our teams of school health nurses have been visiting the schools starting from the 5th of February and it will end on the, on the 20th of March. So it's very important for these girls to be vaccinated with the HPV because by vaccinating them with the HPV um, yeah. vaccination, we are protecting them from uh, getting infected with the HPV type, especially the type 16 and type 18. And uh, we are actually preventing them from getting cervical cancer later in life. The vaccine itself will not cure the current cervical cancer, but we are protecting them 
from future cervical cancer. Okay, so what you're saying is by, by vaccinating them fairly young at adolescent age, so adolescence in my mind is anywhere between the age of 9 and 13 sort. So if, they're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're vaccinating them then before they are sexually active, it works better than once they've started um, engaging in, 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 in sexual activity. That's correct. It works much better at an earlier age. Okay. How do parents and caregivers respond? Because, you know, we still live in a fairly conservative society. And if you came to a parent and said, let's, let's vaccinate your 10-year-old against future STIs and cervical cancer, I think many parents would be a bit offended by that. Okay. With that one, uh, that's why before we vaccinate these learners in school, we actually circulate the, the consent form in schools for these girls to give to their parents, uh, for them to give us permission to vaccinate these learners because we, we do not vaccinate these girls unless they have a signed consent form from the parents. Yeah. And we are doing our best in order to, you know, educate these parents about the importance of vaccinating mm. their girls, their young girls, uh, with this HPV because mm. it will protect them, as we mentioned earlier, against a cervical cancer. Mm. Yes, we are having a lot of women or a lot of parents and caregivers who sign these consent forms. But uh, there's also there's those few that are not signing consent form, but we are doing our best as the Department mm. of Health to sensitize them, to educate them about the importance of this vaccine. Right. Okay. Because some of them have myths, you know. They, mm. they, they will think that uh, this uh, HPV will make, maybe make their girls to, to not to be able to have children mm. in future. Mm. But we are telling them that that is a myth because this HPV uh, vaccination right. will not prevent, I mean, will not prevent, prevent your child from being pregnant mm. at a later age. And we are saying this HPV vaccination, it does not cure HIV mm. and it will not make you to have uh, HIV. So it's only to make these young girls to be protected mm. from survival. Yeah, and I don't hear you sort of condoning it. You're just kind of saying we are we are aware of what we are aware of, and the earlier the interventions, the better. Nicola, I'm going to give you the last word here, and that's just really to understand sexual behaviours amongst young people. Is it an unfair statement to say young people, for whatever reasons, have become very lax, very experimental, and very reckless, um, and this is why. Um, we are seeing some of these statistics on STIs concerning men. We're seeing teen pregnancies. Um, and, um, yeah, in some cases, you know, we shouldn't even call it teen pregnancies. It's, it's rape of children by elder men and teachers and the like. They may call it a consensual relationship, but it's not. It's statutory. But even within this complexity, there's just young people losing their innocence in South Africa. Is that a fair or an unfair statement? I want to be actually very cautious when I respond to that. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, you know, um, and and we know that you know in today's it's it's 2024. We all have access, easy access to social media, and uh, you know on the social media, you know to our smartphones, mm-hmm. there even activities happening like you know daily hookups, nightly hookups. Mm. And, you know, things are so much more accessible and easy for, for you to be exposed to. So we're definitely saying that, yes, it's a behavior challenge. 
which we really need to have these conversations more with the youth. And this is where, you know, Maroz actually comes in as she runs the youth program in Housing Health. And working with her, I know that we can address these behaviors um, and improve mm. health-seeking behaviors amongst the youth. So there's a lot of issues that come into play that predisposes, you know, youth to becoming uh, more exposed mm. to risky sexual behavior. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and poverty is just one of them. My Rose, do you want to close off this part of the conversation? Okay, uh, we would really love to appeal to those parents or caregivers who have not signed the consent form to think about the long-term implications of not having their children immunized. Mm. Because by giving the consent, you are actually taking a responsible step of ensuring that we save the future of our girls. And as I said, this time we are only giving one single dose of HPV. And in September, October, we'll also be moving to the private schools because previously we were only vaccinating girls in uh, public and special schools, but we'll be moving to the private and uh, independent schools. Okay, I want to thank you so much, ladies, for coming through. It's a difficult one, I think, you know, because it it makes us face a really harsh reality, uh, just Mm. about what it's like to live in the modern day. But as we're being told, this is not a time for judgment. It's just a time for precautionary preventative actions. And these are some of the steps to be taken. Nicola Luchman, Programs Manager for STIs in the Gauteng Department of Health, and Marosi Mzondi, who is the Deputy Director for Youth and Integrated Schools Health Programs, in the Gauteng Department of Health. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.